Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party, the Iowa Hawkeye Blackheart Gold Pants, one of the podcasts. I'm your host, Harrison Starr. Joining me as always, Ben Ross. Little different intro as we record this after my baby struggled to go to sleep. Um, you can call me Ben again. I'm not your baby. Um, <laughs> I thought we were maintaining that we were the only Hawkeye football podcast. Oh, the only Hawkeye football podcast. You're right. Every other one is backed by uh, big money. We are not. We're right. Well, not even that. The, the other ones you're talking about don't exist. Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. I yeah. see what you're saying. Yes, yes. We are the only one. Yeah, that's what well, I thought. We're also the only podcast that um, has a Brett Bielema fan page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've got a subreddit now. It's incredible. Um, oh, Bortz Bees. It was fantastic. I mean, that game played out almost exactly how I wanted to. Our Slack was fired up at how both teams refused to win that game. And, man, I, I want to talk about like what was going through as you were watching that game. What were your emotional highs and lows? Uh, my emotional high was definitely Artur Sitkowski coming in at quarterback to replace the injury Brandon Peters because I had thought, one, I'd forgot about him. I had no idea. He was the backup quarter. I, I assumed he'd be the starter for Rutgers again this year. I had absolutely no idea. Did you know? I, I was lost. I had no clue that that was their backup. Right. So as soon as he got in, I was thinking this game's over because Harrison, Artur Sikowski, his name epitomizes Wisconsin quarterbacking. And you know what he did? He went out there and played the most Wisconsin quarterback ass game since Scott Tolzien. I mean, what, what was his line? 12 for 15 for two touchdowns and 124 yards. You might have, you like that. That sounds like any John Stocko game performance when he's handing off to Monty Ball or God Stocko might have been Brian Calhoun, even. I don't even know. Um, just he, he was a he was a Wisconsin quarterback playing for Illinois for Wisconsin's coach who's now coaching Illinois. Basically, um, 
you know, running back with last name Epstein. That's another, you know, kind of seems like a Wisconsin type thing to have going on. Um, The the other thing that I wanted to bring up that made me really feel like, uh, what was the actual question I'm answering? Oh, no. What was the question I'm answering? Emotional highs and lows, Ben. Oh, you you, then, you had just you had just mentioned Epstein. Yeah. Oh, okay. Speaking of highs and lows, the the penalty yardage for Nebraska just brought me back down to earth. Six, five penalties for sixty seven yards. Um, as much as Illinois looked like Wisconsin, Nebraska looked like Nebraska. Looked like a Scott Frost coach team. Um, stupid penalties, not doing them any favors. Adrian Martinez trying to do way too much and everybody else doing way too little. Um, Just really, I I miss the entire, what I was actually, and also coming back down to earth, I miss the entire fourth quarter. I think when I, because I was taking a nap, I was, I feel like I come on here every three weeks and say I was nursing the worst hangover I've had of COVID. And I was definitely, I def, that was definitely Saturday for me. I promise that. And I think it was, I mean, yeah, end of the third when I fell asleep, it was uh, – why is the score so hard to read on this? Um, I think it was a 14-point game, and when I wake up, I mean, Nebraska cut it to eight. They put it ahead, and it sounds like they had the chance to at least tie it with time with little time remaining. But why would they? It's Nebraska. If they have to do something important, it's not, it's not happening. Yeah, I think you – nailed the emotional low and just like but from a shade and freud perspective the emotional low is also just the emotional high as an iowa fan because when you see nebraska just play like nebraska and like i I understand chad likes how he had something like makes you appreciate how iowa plays like it does but iowa has games where they'll just rack up penalties but they don't rack up penalties where it is a roughing the passer followed by complaining about the roughing the passer, which grants the opposing team 30 yards and their first touchdown of the game. And then you don't see Iowa call a timeout and then fumble the ball and then have that fumble return for a touchdown. And you also don't see Iowa return a punt at the two-yard line anymore. That was a kickoff. Let's – we'll uh, – um, Grant Jonathan Parker a little, a little. I think that the oh. statute of limitations has passed um, for Jonathan Parker, and now Cam Taylor Britt is is the new um, special teamer de jure when you're trying to find a dumb, dumb, dumb special teams play. Because like everything Nebraska did, like you said, it was just you've said this before. It was the same movie, and I don't know how that can be read as anything other than a huge indictment on Scott Frost, whether he believes it's an indictment on himself or not. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you, I don't even want to talk about how it makes you appreciate Iowa football because that's all we, that's all we talk about. Um, You, I mean, I think you said a, you said something to the effect of, you know, when Scott Frost post game, it's like as soon as uh, Wisconsin, li- their defensive line lined up and uh, uh, uneven 
uh, in the uneven gaps. They they so they could they had to throw away the playbook. So it was like so they lined up one of two possible ways, and <laughs> and you were screwed. And say nothing for like of uh, my biggest takeaway for Nebraska that game was it seemed and maybe takeaway for Illinois too is Nebraska's defensive line kind of ate Illinois. Like especially in the first half, first quarter, they they were in the backfield every play, and Illinois, and so maybe and, and I could possibly say more um, to the judgment of Illinois' offensive line play too. But like their defense, kind of sort of seemed like it had a little bit of a plan, which isn't Scott Frost's job, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a great isn't, point. Like they looked the the then obviously I'm not gonna come out here and say they look like the black shirts because nobody knows what the black shirts look like because I was born in '92, but <laughs> like they they the defense Nebraska Nebraska's defense seemed like you know what was doing the defensive line seemed like something that's definitely a strength maybe something we might be jealous of even as Iowa fans but it's not Scott Frost's job and isn't their de- their defensive coordinator is Chenander right doesn't he have Iowa yeah. ties somehow? Yeah, he played for Iowa back in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we've I think we've done this before. Uh, basically, there's like six guys on the Nebraska roster who have ties to Iowa, including Trent Moss Brucker. Oh my God! Yeah, we have done this before. I, I don't, yeah, yeah, that's wild. I've totally forgot. Is he? He's like their director. So, anyways, he's yeah. Um, he's he's got a fake position. I, I, I think what was most impressive from an Illinois standpoint is like when. Artur Sokowski comes in the game and like there's no confidence around him. Nebraska's just hammering their line, like you mentioned. All they did is they just ran to the left because their left left tackle was the only guy That's that it. they had that that could block the man in front of him. And it worked somehow. I mean, Nebraska made plenty of mental errors themselves, but it got them that touchdown. And it got them to halftime, more importantly. Um they they by it was just, like you said earlier with Sikowski's line, it was a game that was called so that it was impossible for him to make mistakes. He didn't make any mistakes. And in a way, it kind of made Illinois better. They, um, especially like taking a lead in the halftime, that was, they had no business doing that. So then, you know, they come out and get the two touchdown lead with a little more diversified run game. I thought, man, that Brett Bielema, may not have the horses to challenge for even the top three or four spots in the Big Ten West this year. But they're going to be a thorn in the side of almost anyone they play because if if they're within that margin for air, if they're up, they're going to be tough to to come back on. And if they're down, maybe it'll be easy to put them away. But I was weirdly impressed with with them even though like it's been our shtick for the last month and a half of podcasts to be all on the Beal train and I, I it could not have gone better as um the leader of that bandwagon a competently coached Nebraska team would have been up 14-2 at half and it, it goes to show I guess what Bert can do Brett can do by <laughs> taking that roll of the dice and turning it into his advantage in every possible way. Or I mean, anything it shows, like just his experience. I think he's back home. He knows what he's yeah. doing. 
Like if he's if he's in that position at Arkansas against, uh, it can be against a, a, a Mississippi State, something like that. Yeah, somebody like that. All those coaches, they're gonna they're not gonna let, they're not gonna keep have the door open an inch for for Brett to <laughs> try and <laughs> uh, sque- squeeze in there. Um, so it's just him capitalizing. It kind of sh- it just goes to show. Um, Really, how uh, I mean, how, how bad things are with Scott Frost. Really, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe to to close it off a little bit before we set our sights for Indiana. I think as someone who writes the betting column and had Illinois over three point five and Nebraska under six point five, I I look back at that Nebraska line for the season win total and. I'm even more perplexed by it now after having seen them lose to Illinois in a game that I predicted them to lose when I was looking at the schedule a month ago. I, how do you get to 6.5? I mean, I guess it's a money thing, right? But man, I I will be blown away if they get maybe even to five wins now. I mean, you said it when we were going through those over-unders. There's a very distinct mm-hmm. chance they start they start one and five, and part of me hopes for it, but part of me doesn't because it's you know it's the the train running off the tracks, um, and you just kind of you can't look away. But once the band aid on Scott Frost is pulled, um, who knows? Like, do they have anyone on their roster that can be or uh, on their staff that can be a suitable interim coach? Well, Chenander, I mean, but but does, hasn't Chenander had some controversy too, like serious anger? I don't want to say anything bad because I, I actually don't know. But what, didn't he have like some serious anger controversy? Not not like domestic violence, but just like crazy. I think he's a hothead. I, I mean, I think that's it's like the the goalkeepers. If if your goalkeeper isn't a hothead, you kind of worry about him. If my defensive coordinator isn't a hothead, I kind of want to pick into that a little bit because Phil's. Fiery, he but he's just Phil's in almost in his seventies, right? Chenander is forty. <laughs> Fair enough. So that's a little bit different. Uh, yeah, there's I, nothing I, on it. There's nothing on his Wikipedia page, so it, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything else because I don't know anything about this guy. Yeah, I guess, I guess the the broader point is part of the criticism when Frost was hired was that there were no adults in the room. And it appears as if there are mm-hmm. still no adults in the room. So, oh no, there was Corey, one adult in the room, and he's gone. Bill Moose. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's gone. That was fun, uh, yeah. man. Fun stuff. So, Iowa football, Ben. It is a game week, and I, I think this is as excited as I've been for an opener in quite some time. I remember we were. Not super stoked last this time last year um, because this time last year there were no games scheduled. But Indiana is a real football team, and Iowa's going to get tested immediately out of the gates. And I think that that's kind of enticing. It'll be – I think I might have said this last time. It'll be the first – time really I was like their opener that I can remember um where they really were tested other than 2015 North Dakota State 
Um, was that the opener or is that the second game? No, so North Dakota State, that was 2016. Oh, and that was you're right. the third game, this, I believe. That was the third game, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, bummer. Tough, 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 tough. Uh, I guess, like, I'm trying to remember the last opener that was normal, 2019 Miami of Ohio, 2018. I can't remember. Northern Illinois, was that an opener in uh, Soldier Field where Damon Bullock ran? Was that an opener? I I believe it was. That would have been But I mean, the height. Yeah, I was at that game. I... But it's not like that game was hyped for anything like this. It's not like Northern, it's fucking Northern Illinois. It's not a Big Ten opponent. It's not a ranked Big Ten opponent like this. But I believe that Northern Illinois team was... The Jordan Lynch? The Jordan Lynch team. I can't remember if they ended up going it was. to the Orange Bowl. I, they did go to the Orange Bowl that year. Okay. And that was the... Iowa won four games that year, and they were the only team in the Big Ten to beat a team that went to a BCS Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh what a great great stat maybe they didn't win four games maybe they did i can't remember they won eight they won eight games in 2014 2012 is where they won four yeah 2012 was the four the four win yeah Mm -hmm. so it's 2013 it's 2013 they okay okay yeah okay okay that was fun um it's the the thing about it is the more and more uh the closer and closer we get excuse me <clears throat> to the game we're recording i don't want to say what night we're recording this on because i like to keep that a mystery um Fair enough. even though it couldn't matter less uh the closer and closer we get to kick off the more and more confident i get because i'm just so up my own ass with and partially it's because i thought of it or i arrived it on it on my own maybe it's been articulated more beautifully elsewhere across the internet somewhere. But uh, I'm, I truly believe for as many teams like Penn State or Auburn or maybe Georgia, um, but not even that, not even to the degree of uh, Penn State drastically, Auburn drastically had really, really Michigan, especially who had such strange and bad years. And it's so easy to chalk up to COVID. Why can't you say the opposite? for teams like Coastal Carolina and Indiana. Why, if the bad luck bug bit Penn State, why couldn't the good luck bug, bug have to also bite some teams to make the universe uh, somehow have the humors be even uh, between between the universe? Didn't Louisville and Cincinnati both have really uncharacteristically good years too last year? So mm-hmm. I, I guess... Iowa State. Okay, Iowa State. But the thing with Iowa State is that trajectory, trajectory is kind of sort of been building. And also, Iowa State is kind of the product of the Big 12, right? Okay, too. fair enough. Um, and, but that still proves my point. And I, I'm talking myself into – it seems like there's a lot of smoke and mirrors uh, around this Indiana team. People have been reading all week. Tom Herman's a good coach. I've never read that once before in my entire life. And it's, I, sure, does eight wins at Indiana make you a good coach? Yeah, that's okay. But he's uh, a good coach is relying on a quarterback who's never finished a complete season. It's going into his senior year. He just great, brought in a f- 
five-star running back recruit from USC. Well, there's a reason why you were able to get him from USC. In newsflash, <laughs> he's already ran against Iowa once and didn't do great. Um, so good luck with that. Like your the your leading receiver from last year is gone, right? So I don't, I just can't. And then defense is what I, I mean. I, I realize Tom Allen is a defense first coach. Um, so go be a defensive coordinator somewhere. You're never beaten Kirk parents and you never will. I, I don't know if I have quite that amount of confidence, but I am increasingly confident about Iowa winning this game. I think if I could pull a template from last year, kind of out of a hat that I think it might follow is something like the Wisconsin game. And the reason I say that is I think both teams are going to spend the better part of the first half just trying to feel each other out. I I, I think Penix is going to need some uh, revving up, so to speak. I, I don't think we see Iowa necessarily come guns blazing um, offensively. I think it's just two teams that are ready to get to halftime the first time that they, they step on the field. Now, maybe... That's an exaggeration, but ultimately, I, I I don't see it starting supercharged, um, which will be a slight disappointment. But I think the second the second half could be quite good, um, especially if it does break Iowa's way the way it did against Wisconsin, where they had the big run, the interception in the end zone. Um, but I I think your point is very good. How how good? is Indiana. How good is Iowa? Um, I posited like of Indiana, Iowa and Iowa state. I wouldn't be surprised if none of those teams reach nine wins in the regular season, maybe eight. They're all eight win teams, I think, but I can see a, a path where they're all eight and four um, at the end of the season. So it'll be interesting because we'll learn enough about Iowa I think these first two games, I I think um, the first area is we'll know if they're sound in the trenches. Um, Stat kind of bubbling about is how much IU blitzes. And I think that that is concerning as an Iowa fan, breaking in two tackles with a quarterback who already kind of saw ghosts. Um, And then Iowa's defensive line, not necessarily scared of the running back. I think you you properly dismissed that a little bit. Um, but they have guys that they need to... They have three NFL defensive linemen that they lost off of last year's team, which is inc- an incredible stat. I don't know how many um, teams can say that, but th- that's, a, that's a huge gap to fill in. I... I love Jack Campbell, but I don't know if that's enough. I mean, all I've talked about is how how unconfident um, I am with Iowa's defensive line this year, especially with how little, like the one and two guys, like Logan Lee and Yaya Black and Noah Shannon have played in camp. I feel like I remember the very first uh, open practice, they're starting two, uh, at least one, they're starting a – True freshman and a true freshman walk on, um, at the, oh, both, the, God, the one and yeah. two, yeah, the Louis Steck, I think was his name, not to 
you know, say anything bad. Hopefully you become a great player one day for us as a walk-on. That's never happened before at Iowa. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But it's like the first, again, the first game of the season, I feel like I'd be more worried about Iowa's weaknesses if it was later on in the season for playing Indiana like this. Uh, But since, since, um, there's no film since there's so little to go off of there's so it's I think it might be tougher for Indiana's coaches to exploit um, any weaknesses they see uh, mid game and same goes for Iowa's obviously and that would that you know that would be where Tom Allen could put uh, you know stick his thumb in my eye and try and put me wrong and make some great offensive line you know uh, adjustments and blocking adjustments to truly capitalize on such a glaring weakness of the Iowa's defense line. If that's even true. I mean, like if Noah Shannon and, and Yara Black balled the fuck out. And, and I, like I think like John and Van Valkenburg and Joe Evans, we know they're good players. If they that's balled good. out that's on, point, yeah. if they balled out on Saturday, would you be shocked? Like not even balled out if they were just good, if they were competent, if they did their jobs, like I'd be more, I'd really, I'd be as concerned as I am with like the defensive line, quote unquote, concerned. I'd be more shocked if my concerns were like founded than I would be if I was overreacting, you know? I think for the defensive line, I think I, I trust that a lot more than I trust maybe the offensive line. Because to your point, Zach Van Valkenburg was second team all conference last year. Um, he's got the stats. He's quite good. Um, Black is a just, I mean, he he's very highly thought of from a recruiting standpoint and huge body, a lot of skill, high potential, high potential guy. So like you're starting with two guys there and then Shannon's been, been in it in a while. I think that's the one where it's like, ah, oh, why? Why hasn't he done a little bit more? But you had Heflin come in, play over him. Is that really a shot at Shannon? Maybe not. I, I think maybe the most important one is can I, I think it's Wagner that's going to end up being the mm-hmm. starting mm-hmm. Uh, end opposite uh, uh, opposite, opposite Van Valkenburg. Yeah, and maybe he's he may be the weak link right now. Um, just because he came in so highly regarded and hasn't necessarily lived up to it. Um, but Iowa has those types of guys come through all the time that, you know, eventually, uh, you know, they, they make it happen. Um, so reason to be optimistic. And I think the cleanest point you said is they just have to do their jobs. Like Iowa had three offensive linemen who were really good at that. And I would say Golston and, Nixon last year were great at doing more than their job, but with defensive or with a guy like Jack Campbell, he just needs his often defensive lineman to do the job in front of him and he can clean it up. So I think that that's, that's the key phrase that you use that alleviates some of my concerns defensively. Yeah, and I mean, again, I don't want to pick on John Wagner, but if this defense's weakness is its weak side defensive end, then it's going to be really good defense. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point, Ben. That's a good point. Um, the hype train rolls on, though. 
Uh, I, I don't know if um, you saw a whole lot. And I think this is where I struggle is maybe the wrong word, but like I see that this is a talented team. And JP did like the opponent um, depth chart thing. And you line them up against Iowa and Indiana. And Iowa's pretty young, super talented, we think. But I, I fear that they're that that might be what holds them back is they're just not quite experienced to live up to the hype because it seems, it seems fairly universal um, from a a local media standpoint. And maybe they know something that we don't know, Ben, but I I just, or or maybe I just don't want to get my hopes too high to have them raised in the end. Uh, But I don't know. I, I, I guess I just don't see this being like a 10 and two type of team, but maybe I, I've been wrong before my friend. <clears throat> this would be the time then and the game and the place for your golden boy, your favorite person, Brian Ferentz <sighs> to yes. say, Hey, Phil, I know you don't like it when we score quickly because it makes your boys tired, <laughs> but just, Give me a chance. Let's open up the floodgates. We're going to let TNT, that's Tyrone Tracy and Tyler Goodson, <laughs> run laps around the Hoosier defense all day long. I want to put up 500 yards of offense. I want Petrus throwing the ball, what, 25 times? I want Goodson ca- carrying the ball 20 times. I want some, that's some nice balance right there almost. Um, Incredible. Yeah, we almost were able to do that math. And if Iowa were to, and this this will not happen, but if I, I think that that scenario would be exactly what you would, you know, want to see out of somebody who one wants the Iowa job, and two, I kind of feel like I don't I don't know if this is true, but sitting in these two chairs we're sitting in, that looks like on paper that looks seems like the easiest path to victory. Um, over Indiana is it seems like, you know, your biggest weaknesses might be the defense and especially defensive line. Your biggest stars are on offense right now. Um, if Spencer Petrus can uh, just, uh, what, what's, God damn it, what's the turn of phrase I'm trying to look for? If he can be the straw that stirs the drink, then then let him, let him bartend. Yeah, I think maybe that's the the encouraging thing out of Petrus is like, I, I don't have necessarily high hopes that he's going to come in and light the world on fire and all of a sudden become a 70% passer. I am under no illusion of that, but what he can be very good at because he's been in this offense for this, this is his fourth year. Now he can be very good at knowing what the defense is giving him going to it and getting that ball quickly. And I think there's a case to be made that the wide receivers Iowa has now are better at doing things with the ball in their hands than even Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset. Smith-Marset, maybe, but he needed some space in, in a way that I don't think Tracy necessarily needs. I don't think Regani necessarily needs. I'm curious to see what Charlie Jones and then the two freshmen look like because I'm high on all three of them. So if he can just find the right guy to go to in a single read situation, then maybe that's all they need. 
And, and that's kind of how uh, he framed it. You know, studying Mac Jones, well, Iowa doesn't have that cadre of wide receivers, but they have pretty good wide receivers, I think, for Iowa and maybe for the Big Ten. So if he can be the straw that stirs the drink, then he doesn't need to be necessarily a 70% thrower. He just needs to, you know, make the right plays and not, you know, throw too many interceptions or incomplete passes. I, I like, I, I think he'll be a solid 60% passer, which is a slight uptick from last year. And that's, that's what it needs to be. I mean, what isn't your magic number like 62 and a half percent? Do I have a magic number? I, like, yeah. I mean, I think you look back and there have been like, I think Stanley's what, sophomore year, Stanley's sophomore year, he was, wasn't he teetering on 64? No, 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 no. Um, Stanley never got above 60. Okay. Bethard got above it once. Um, I think it was 2015. I think Rudock got above it maybe twice, definitely once. And I think that one time was actually 2014. Funny. And then um, Stanzi got above it 2010. And his was the highest at like 64%. The stupid things I remember because of Iowa sports I hate. Anyways, you, you have to go way back to... Um, I believe uh, Brad Banks before you find anyone that had a completion percentage as high as Stanzi did his senior year. So um, it's just not it, it. It's just not a stat that Iowa values necessarily um, from a just super high performing level. I, I it, that's what's infuriating because you see all these guys slinging it. 66%, but I, I just don't think it's – there are more important things for the quarterback to worry about, I guess, in Iowa's, Iowa football system than completing as many passes as he can because sometimes you try and complete them all, well, maybe a defender's actually too close and you should have just thrown it away or tucked it and gotten a two-yard gain. Mm-hmm. So Ben, do you want to do you want to make a prediction? I, I guess as we, um, like score or I, another thing I do want to say. Oh sure. Um, well, it's something I really like seeing, especially as we get closer to kickoff. Is I believe the line opened around minus five or maybe even minus seven for Iowa way back in yeah. uh, the early spring, and now it's crept down to minus three and a half. The money, public money, is gaining confidence in the Hoosiers. That's perfect because the public, Harrison, is full of sheep. And if Iowa were to be trending upwards, if that minus five number is going to be going <clears throat> towards minus seven and teeter in minus nine territory, I'd be really nervous about Iowa's chances. But as more and more people gain confidence in Indiana, I am choosing to zag where they zig. I am in 100% alignment with you. The fact that I think what I can't remember where it was like 70% of the money is coming in on Indiana. Mind boggling. Iowa's record for the last five or six years. I'll, I'll have this locked down for Ponks, but it's favorable when they're home favorites. Um, and then I think the other one that's fun is when they're home favorites the under 
is a big, big winner um, historically. So I, really I think quick. it's going to be yes. No, you keep going. No, so I mean, I, I think I'm I'm ready to to make a prediction, and, and I'm. Am I afraid that we agree so much on um, all the trends go, going Iowa's way? We think. Uh, it's, called like rapport. It. it's called rapport. We've built. That's a good we've point. Built, we've built momentum these past. I don't know how long we've been doing this. Long um, enough to build yeah. the rapport. I just <laughs> invented a mini segment in my head. I want to know. I was, I'm wondering if we should do it before or after we make our predictions. It probably fits better before because it might affect how you predict. Okay. So right. quick segment. Harrison, let's name all the Big Ten coaches who have ever beaten Kirk Ferentz. Oh, ooh, ooh, this is a fun one. Um, so in the West, do, do you just want? To, should I give you a word bank? I can, I can just give you the name, and you can say yes or no. Or do you want? Do you want to try and do this from? Okay, your own... so I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go in order as I think about it. So, no Scott Frost, no PJ Fleck. Brett Bielema mm-hmm. has technically. Yes, um, I mean, not technically. I've been there for many of those games. Well, but not at Illinois. <laughs> yeah, not at um, Illinois, but we're going to count him as a yes. Yeah. He has beaten Kirk. So, Bielema, and then Paul Christ, and then Fitzgerald, and then um, Brom. <clears throat> Ugh, not fun. Right, not I fun. am asking which current Big Ten coaches have or have not beaten Kirk Ferentz. So, you just oh, give ha- me a name. Have not. Kirk. Yeah. Have not. Okay. Have so, not. Scott Frost hasn't. You're PJ right. PJ Fleck hasn't. You're right. Tom Allen hasn't. You're right. Which is really where I'm just trying to get with this. But yeah, keep going. Okay. And then Greg Schiano hasn't. Um, is he even coaching Rutgers? He is. He is. Uh, Mel Tucker has not. Yeah, you're right. Mel Tucker Ryan has Ryan Day. Ryan Day has not. You're right. <laughs> um... <laughs> I think that's all of them. Because um, Harbaugh has, sadly. Yeah, I know. That sucked. You're right. So that's five. Five coaches. It's almost half the conference, Harrison. It is. It is. Okay. So ho- hopefully uh, that list stays at five this year. Would you, and then bonus, who's a in-state rival coach who has never beaten Kirk Ferentz? Uh, a future Big Ten coach. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, Matt Campbell. So let's let's hope it stays at six. Would you? And is that a group of men you would want to be a part of? I mean, I, I guess, guess the, the from question a money is, standpoint, yeah. Would I? Yeah, would I like to make the same amount of money as them? Yeah. Would I like to hang out with them? Um, I don't think there's a guy on that list I would want to hang out with, to be honest. Maybe Ryan Day. I bet Mel Tucker is a decent hang because he wears shorts on game days. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> but, I mean, I just I'm just so in my own zone of like Brett Bielma is just the man I want to hang out with and just like throw a couple beers back that Dude, I can't even a, think outside of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Pretty Maybe not. Time. Maybe not though. All right, Ben. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You go first because I want to follow your template. Okay, so um, low scoring game. That's my prediction. I think it ends up twenty one to 
16, three field goals. Iowa wins. Okay, I was going to say, who's got the 16? <laughs> Tough. Um, <laughs> any other uh, outstanding predictions beyond the score? I think we see a third running back assert himself. Um, and I think, let's say Riley Moss gets an interception. That, that handsome Ooh. double. Ooh, love that. Love, that's a really, really nice prediction. Good, nice work. Um, is that it? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I'm tapped out on predictions for, I think for Iowa I, Okay, I think Iowa gets to 30. I think we score Ooh, 30 points. Okay. I really do, because I think half of what I said about Brian Ferentz trying to... <laughs> it's so funny, 30 points is all of a sudden boat racing. <laughs> or not even boat running up the score for Iowa. Uh, so I think I would, I, I think I would score 30 points. I think, I think Indiana kind of has Iowa on the ropes for the first half. I think Michael Penix Jr. comes out really, really hot. Um, I think he kind of makes Iowa defense look silly for the first couple series. I think they maybe scoot out to a quick 10, 14, maybe 14, three, 10, three lead. 10-7 lead, 14-7 lead. And then both teams get a feeling for each other. And then I think Iowa's offense just clicks. I think Tyler Goodson, you know, I think he rushes for over 100 yards. I think he really looks like the, the running back we think he could be. I think Spencer Petrus, pro- I think, has his best game as a Hawkeye, which uh, I realize is not saying a ton. But I, I really, as down as I was on him this time two to three months ago, I'm as high on, on him now. And I, you know, for no great reason, um, <laughs> I think Jack Campbell is as good as advertised. I think the defensive line is as almost, but not quite as weak as maybe some people think, even though we were just kind of talking about how they should be pretty, I was more than more so than you. I was talking about how they should be more than competent. Um, I think Dane Belton's a gamer. I think Riley Moss is a gamer. I think, the Kerner is a gamer. I think uh, Merriweather is a gamer. I think this defensive backfield is full of studs. Um, didn't even mention Hankins. And it's uh, we, uh, the, the, we we get the clamps from the Iowa defense in the second half. Penix is just flustered the rest of the second half, and it's I think a easy. I think it's a two score win for Iowa. Ooh, so that would that would make it call it, it would 30, like 20. 30, 20, 30 21 sounds about right. And so more, most importantly, holds, what's the streak? The scores, the defense holding teams under 24 points. Oh, that's yeah. That came out today. Right. Or I mean, it was tweeted today at least. Um, most importantly, I think MVP of this game, he won't be named MVP, but he will be the MVP is going to be our Tory Taylor. Ooh. There it is. There it is. That that was the thing. So, <laughs> love it, Ben. Love everything about it. I, I think that the thing I meant to bring up about Illinois-Nebraska, that punting mismatch highlights just how important it is. Because, man, the, the MVP of a 30-point game is still Tory Taylor. I, I guess that's that's what has me... I just think he Reeling kind of pin, pin, pins back the Indiana offense in such a way in the second half that can't really be 
um, accounted for or valued rather. You know, he's going to soak it up as Iowa's punter. Like it, is he the favorite, the consensus favorite athlete on this team right now? He is living the life that Jordan Bohannon wishes he's living. You brought up his name. I know, Not I did. Me. Not I... my fault. My fault for how many times have <laughs> you done it. But I think that's kind of right. And I'm kind of proud of that. Well, we've got a couple predictions. Um, both Iowa wins. I think I think that's going to be – I think I'm going to be able to lock that in for uh, our weekly prediction. I, I like mine, so hopefully I don't have too much of a change of heart. Hopefully you don't either. I won't, unless I do. Fair enough. Um, so at the time of this recording, the whole Big Ten still has football to play. Is there a particular game – Outside of Wisconsin, Penn State, because I, to me that's that game's just going to be incredible. That you're looking forward to. I mean, yeah, Thursday night, Minnesota, Ohio State. I think uh, I don't think Ohio State's going to lose. I think Minnesota's going to keep it really close. So I think it's a 14 or 15 point spread right now. Um, I think you know all I do is drag on PJ Fleck and his whole shtick but I think this game is perfectly set up for him. It's Thursday night, opening game of the year, at home, sold out. Nobody's been going to doing squat diddly the past 18 months. All these, I've been watching videos of um, <clears throat> student parties in Dinkintown, the campus in Minneapolis. People are just going nuts. They're out of their minds. Um, Tanner Morgan, four-year starting quarterback, um, for Fleck, he's going to be out, out there. Ohio State's breaking in a new Q, QB. Um, Muhammad Ibrahim, Ibrahim might be, you know, the second best running back in the conference after Goodson. Uh, you know, Minnesota's got players, as far, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense probably won't be able to stop them. But I think it's going to be an entertaining game, start to finish. I think it'll be High scoring, I think Ohio State will really pull away in the second half. And when I say pull away, just click Ohio State. But I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Minnesota, like, led uh, at half of this one. I just think emotions are going to be running so high in that locker room for that team that it's going to be a really nice game to watch. Um, and don't we get a Friday night game, too? Uh, big you know, I should have had the full schedule pulled up. I don't know why I don't. Let me... I don't think we have a Friday night game. Yeah, we do. We have Michigan State Northwestern. Oh, that's Friday night. Oh my god. Yeah. I, and Northwestern's uh, minus three. What? Why would they not be minus ten? They're I, they just don't bring Buck, They just don't bring much back. They lost their quarterback. They lost their best players on both sides of the ball. I mean, I think that that's the. Heck, I might. Logic. I got an early flight on Saturday morning. I might go up to Evanston just to try and stay out of trouble on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna get too after it up there, are you? Nah, take the train up, take it back, easy peasy. Maybe, maybe a good road beer. Um, that that is a good game. Those are two. I mean, just an incredible slate of Big Ten football games. It's really nice. 
as much as I mean, I, I still would rather watch Iowa play Miami of Ohio week one. But yep. if they're going to do Iowa dirty, at least uh, let us commiserate with these other stupid Big Ten games. Exactly. Um, I think that uh, that Penn State-Wisconsin game is going to be about as good as you can ask for yeah. 11 o'clock uh, to start it off. Um, and then Maryland-West Virginia is an interesting game. We'll see if this Tungavailoa character is the real deal still. Um, Temple Rutgers isn't that bad. Uh, Purdue-Oregon State, why do you do that to yourselves, Purdue? No one, you didn't have to play that game. Actually, there's isn't there some controversy going on with Purdue? Didn't their uh, their football SID just got up and quit this week? And there's been like some. I think Oregon State's been saying there's been like no communication with their football office this entire week. Like emails are going unanswered about game day logistics and everything like that. Oh my god. I think Brahm is, and then there is like some Western Kentucky fan saying like Brahm did the exact same thing uh, the year he left. Like people on the state, like operations people quit, and like similar complaints are coming about coming out with opponents uh, that he was doing this. Just a weird thing. It's so on brand for Purdue, though. I think that that's the that's the thing about it. Because do you remember that? Uh, controversy when um, Michigan had a quarterback go down. Wilton Spate, I think. Yeah, it was, and they was are in their training room he was like a porta potty. Yeah, they had to go all the way out to Lafayette. And let me tell you, as someone who had to go to the hospital one time, not for drinking related reasons, so let's ixnay that. It's not anywhere close. Like it is, if it's a true emergency and you're on Purdue's campus, a campus, mind you, a, this should get them kicked out of the AAU. Like, I mean, to not have a real hospital nearby is just incredible. Anyways. I mean, that's not Jeff Brown's fault. It's not Jeff Brown's fault, but they, they just have these weird logistic things happen. And I guess uh, I need to, find some of this um, this scuttlebutt on Purdue's weird football staff I just can't, up I and can't, leaving. I don't want to I don't want to say the guy's name but like his Twitter account he like quit and then he posted a photo of like an eagle flying and it just said I'm free or it's like free like a bird was like the tweet or something that is a genuinely horrible look so, yeah, it's tough. It's um, tough. No defending that. So I guess that'll be something to watch opposite our boy, Brett Bielema, playing Texas San Antonio Saturday evening as well. That'll be that'll be a nice... Uh, they're only favored by six. Roadrunners got some on them. Oh, here's an interesting thing I saw. Apparently, they're tired from Nebraska. No, apparently there there was a stat where it's like um, teams who have played already are forty six percent against okay. teams that have not played at all. 
I don't know. I think that's just against the spread. Okay, so nerd. Would... Sorry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I, to, to bring it back around, I, I, I think Minnesota is going to make that a game. I really do. Maybe it's just... Yes, totally. Because this, this has happened to past Ohio State teams too, right? Where they reach the mountaintop the one year, and then the next year... They've been there. The, it's the disease of more. It happens to everyone. It's not an indictment on them. It's just, hey, you've already been to the mountaintop, but now you have to worry about your freshman quarterback pulling in $1.4 million checks before he's taken a snap. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I don't think, I don't think Minnesota's going to win, but I think it's going to be a good game. Anyways, yeah. a- anything else for the week for Iowa football for a- anything else you're, you're taking a look at as we meander our way into the 2021 football season. Did you get a chance um, to see what happened with this fake football team that was on ESPN? Incredible. Yeah, pretty good. For the uninitiated, and I don't know how you could listen to our podcast and not be initiated by this. Yeah, it's all it's all it's been on everything the entire week so far um a team made up of uh, i mean a fake high school online high school with athletes that are just looking to play football or whatever some juco dropouts allegedly played img academy um and got hand blasted on national television and i i think i have the zag take I don't put this on ESPN all that much. No. Granted, they should have figured it out. They should have known. But it's on the team that the group that set it up. It's, it's on uh, it's on IMG Academy. It's on the the, the brokering service that set up the game. I'm doing, but I, like IMG knows what's going on. They played this team last year. Oh, they did. And IMG played this team last year and won like fifty eight to fourteen or something. Um so they knew exactly what the hell was up and you you left out the most important part this team played on friday night and, and on sunday so they had two games in 48 hours which is just uh, my zag take is that that's as bad as aau basketball where they play nine games in a weekend oh that's I, that's worse that's uh, way worse yes what happened with football oh you think football's you think two games in 48 hours is worse than that nine games in three days yeah, I mean, okay. you think about some of the, you, I don't, the average high school basketball player could go out and play 12 hours of basketball. They, sh- You're not going to see that same level of competition of like, oh, let's go play 12 hours of football. I, I just don't okay. see that. All so right. so I, that's, that's how I view it. Either way. Um... And then I forgot the other. Oh, and then it was just like you could you could have Googled like the the school doesn't really have a website, so it's like anybody <laughs> at home could have just with like any production assistant at ESPN should have been able to figure this out in seconds. And like even the ESPN announcers were saying like this game shouldn't be happening, you know, midway through the third quarter. Nice work, real brave of you. Incredible. I was it Amin. I think Adam Amin. I think was yeah. It was Adam Amin. That guy's good. I like him. Yeah. Poor, poor yeah. guy. I feel bad for him. 
Honestly, yeah, and it's not his fault. I like I I mean, obviously I do blame ESPN Hazard, but I I'd put honestly I'd put ninety percent of the blame on Braden on IMG and then five percent on the broker, five percent on ESPN. And then I I mean, I don't know how much blame you want to sign to the fake school to begin with. I mean, that's that's blaming the criminal. It's it's the grift, man. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just how it goes. I, I like I like your take of blaming IMG. That that's an incredible take that I haven't necessarily yeah. seen. Of course, like why would you like those coaches know any? Um, like first of all, like some I was reading all the comments in the athletic piece about it, it was like all five hundred coaches in the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association like knows. Like they, they voted them. They didn't, they voted to not allow them into any Ohio, uh, any, um, any Ohio sport, like athletic conference. So they play in the Texas, uh, some Texas athletic conference, the team in Ohio we're talking about here. So, uh, I blame that on IMG and it's like, if they're watching, if IMG coaches are watching the film for this school, they should know right away that it's not a serious program and something they probably don't want to put their you know potentially put their kids in some serious harm any kids even though there might be some 20 year olds on this bishop sycamore team we don't really know um it's just dumb shit incredible incredible so um that was a wild story i just makes sense you have all these weird schools popping up anyways I think I, I'm I'm tapped out. We 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 got to this a little later than a lot later than we would have wanted to, but but we 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 powered through it. Ben, has Iowa ever had an IMG Academy player? I cannot imagine that they did. Where didn't Rudock go to one of these weird schools in Florida? No, he he went to St. Thomas Aquinas, I believe. Is that a and real school? Oh, yeah, they're they're a power. Um, I mean, if, Patterson. I'm not about to drag the Murrays, but they went. They're they're. I think the school they went to is mm. very geared towards athletics. So is um, Regani. I think went to a similar school in the Northeast as well. Oh, Avon Prep or something. Yeah, you can get away with it if Prep's in the name, right? I mean, right. And the Northeast kind of has the stereotype, at least of at least being academic focused. Ah, uh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, Ben, looking forward to another season of podcasting with you. Yeah. I and... don't know. Programming note. I don't know if we'll be able to do something post game. I'm, this w- I, this I, week. Yeah. yeah. I'm not confident that we'll be able to, well, I'll uh, be in. Bo- I'll be in Boulder, so let's just put the kibosh on it right now. <laughs> oh yeah, we're no, we're not. We're definitely not doing one this week. Um, or do you mean in us. general? Throughout I think in general. I think in general, it'll pro- it'll probably be eighty percent of the time. I think if we can get to nine or ten of the games from a immediate post game afterwards, that that would feel like a victory. Well, I'm already missing three Iowa games. Well, I'm going to one, so. So Sorry. there it is. Yeah. That's that's the three. And Hopefully see, they honestly, line up with. 
I was going to say, I think we might have talked about, talked about this already. I honestly am going to miss the 11 a.m. games because I think I've said this. It's going to be tougher for me to stay sober not, not, not far into a Saturday. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, the young and the restless. The young yeah. and the Rossless. There it is. Oh, is that a joke of me being kid kidless at my age? Oh no! It's just oh, yeah, I know. It, it's just it was a nice. It was a nice. So it was a nice play on words. It was a very nice play on words. Nice work. I nursed like two whole Guinnesses during the Illinois um, Nebraska game. That was that was fun. Cool. Real happy. So. I couldn't even look at beer in the face until Sunday night. We've all been there. We've all been mm-hmm. there. Well, I think that does it. Ben, uh, as we <clears throat> meander into a season, meander to the end of a podcast, I will talk to you later. Go Hawks. Bye.